I'm here today with Cheryl Cram on the topic of the future world of work in an exponential change world. Thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining the CEO Edge podcast here today. Thank you for having me. Now, by way of introduction, Cheryl is a highly rated Macasio Forum speaker on several topics, and she is an award-winning international consultant, best-selling author, and highly sought-after keynote speaker. She's worked in multiple industries with hundreds of clients and thousands of leaders worldwide. She's done research, and she's considered a thought leader on the topic of the future of work and change leadership. She's been featured on CNBC, Huffington Post, Metro New York, Reader's Digest, Financial Post, Fox, Entrepreneur Magazine, and many more. In addition, Cheryl's reputation in this area as an expert has landed her on numerous top influencers lists on social media. She's got a very long list of globally known brands such as AT&T and Ceridian and BDO and Gartner and Johnson and Johnson, etc. As she's worked with all different types of companies around the world. And Cheryl, I'm very honored to have you as our invited speaker today on the CEO Edge podcast. Oh, that's very kind, Nancy. I'm I, I, right back at you. Mutual admiration, respect here. <laughs> Wonderful. So let's start with uh, getting right into the topic here in terms of uh, our listeners who are mainly CEOs and top executives. What are the top three things that you believe CEOs need to know about the future world of work? Well, I think the top three things are um, probably things that are already, you know, on on the foremind of most CEOs, which are you know, how do we stay relevant in the marketplace with what we do as a product or a service, given that competition is so uh, rampant now with the advance of technology? I think, secondly, CEOs need to really um, embrace the emerging technologies of robotics, cobots, AI, uh, blockchain technology, all of the impacts of technology on business as we get closer and closer to the future of work. And when I talk about future of work, the future of work is really now. Uh, but we're also talking about future impact on business. I think the third thing is that moving forward business, even though technology is transforming the way uh, businesses are organizing, I think that now more than ever, it needs to be a people first. What, you know, what can we deliver to our customer and how can we help our employees be happy? And the technology follows those objectives. So I think those are the three things. And so maybe let's just take each one, each one and uh, dig deeper into them. So the last one you talked about was people first, even though we know that, uh, you know, every business is a technology business as we go forward. You know, mm-hmm. how, how do you do that? And, and one of the key challenges facing CEOs today, and as we've done a survey of our Macasio Forms CEO members, is CEOs not embracing technology. So, mm-hmm. you know, what are your mm-hmm. thoughts on that? I think it comes down, I'll answer your question in two parts. So the the first one is, you know, how do we um, have CEOs really recognize the people first? And you, you know, you've been around a long time, so have I. We've been talking about people, but I'm talking about if we focus on building a business where people are the primary focus, then the technology simply becomes the enabler. And I think the reason we have CEOs struggle with both those things is both those things, both people and technology, require two things. Number one, capital investment. Uh, You know, really looking at 
people as an investment and looking at technology as an investment uh, to drive the business forward. And I think that the, the thing that happens is when we look at those investments, well, what's the cost of those investments? What's the ROI, which is what every good CEO has to ask themselves. Uh, but then looking at it from, yes, we have to look at ROI, but we also have to look at investment into the things that will grow the revenues in the business as we move forward. So as it relates to people, um, I did some work with a group called Aperio out of the U.S. where they do people-first technology. It's all about intranets and social media within the teams for multinational companies. Uh, for smaller companies, it's about creating interactive platforms, leveraging technology so information is shared, helping to break down the silos. Um, I think in answer to the part of your question where your survey says that CEOs are not embracing technology. In my experience, that comes down to the investment question. It's a lot of money, as you know, Nancy, to build you know, a new ERP system or to bring in an ERP system into an organization or a CRM system, um, all which are technology-based, or to build an AI system where a lot of tasks can be automated. There's a huge expenditure involved. But the CTOs and the CIOs that I've talked to uh, who have worked really well with their CEOs and really teamed up and said, let's not focus on the so-called cost, although it's an important factor. Let's focus on what it leverages as far as free white space for time and energy for leaders and people within the company to do their work at maximum level. And let's look at what we can do to leverage processes that have been you know, perhaps burdened by less productivity because they're still people-based, but could be leveraged and maximized by technology. And the two go hand in hand, because if you're focusing on people and you're focusing on technology, you're actually leveraging the business to be future of work ready. And I think the biggest thing that stops it from happening, if, if your survey is revealed that it's not happening, is it's the adapting to the change that's required to include that in the strategy of the business. Well, it's all part of letting go of the past. And, That's right. uh, you know, having CEOs cut even bigger checks on technology right. than they ever have in the past. So, mm-hmm. and I know one of your areas of expertise is on change leadership and, and what mm-hmm. have you. So, what, you know, why is it so challenging for CEOs to let go of the past and move into this future world of work? And what tips do you have for CEOs so that they, they actually do step into you know, they are going to have to cut bigger checks, uh, and in particular in the area mm-hmm. of technology, mm-hmm. and they are going to have to mm-hmm. let go of the past in order to, you know, deal with the future world of work. You know, I think it's interesting and fascinating because I've done a lot of work on um, and research on, you know, a future of work uh, aspect, which is about future of work isn't managing time, it's managing energy. And uh, not from a woo-woo place of energy, but purely from an, uh, an economic reality of energy. We only have a certain amount of energy to invest in things. And CEOs only have a certain amount of uh, emotional energy, physical energy, strategic energy to invest in the success of their company. And I think it's less of being attached to the past and more about an uncertain future. So nowadays, you and I know that a CEO can make a decision that can make or break that company being around. And so I think that the investment in technology becomes a fear of, is this really going to be our solution for the future that we're strategically driving towards? And so from a psychological standpoint, you've got two types of CEOs. You've got the one who's internal, and I'm not talking introvert, extrovert here. I'm talking about a way of managing energy. So an internal if you say to them, you have to let go of the past, they will dig into the past even more. 
Why? Because that's their sense of strength and certainty is the past. They know what's worked in the past. They know that the past has brought in predictable results. So in order to get that kind of CEO to move forward, they need to see what's the next viable outcome of investing capitally into technology. What's not, not what's my result in by 2020 or 2025, but what's going to be the next win if we invest in the capital, in the capital into the technology right now. The other way of looking at it is the external CEO, which looks to the future and can see the future really, you know, in a big way and can see out to, you know, 2030 perhaps. That CEO needs to be shown the vision first. Here's where we this can take us and then work backwards to show how the project implementation of technology is going to bring the company where it needs to go. So I think really now to be a CEO is is a pretty risky endeavor. It always has been, but now it's even more so that if we invest in the wrong technology or we, if we invest in the technology that we thought was right and there's a new technology to replace it a year later, then perhaps I've failed as a CEO. And so I think there needs to be strategy and the people that are you know working in technology, the CTOs, the CIOs, need to really consider the um, the way the CEO looks at technology. How is it going to advance the business? How is it going to meet the client needs at a higher level? How is it going to help our employees to be faster, better, stronger? Those things have to be considered when presenting the technological options. That sounds like CEOs are going to have to be working a lot more closely with CTOs and CIOs than they ever have been in the past in order to step into this future of work and all the new technologies and and, and what have you. Yes, rather than, see, I believe CEOs have been silos. And that's part of the challenge of making this move towards future of work. The, the, one of the future of work imperatives that I have, you know, revealed and discovered and I talk about a lot is called shared leadership, which rather than leaders operating in their own mandates, their own strategic, you know, directives in their division, that there is even more communication and even more cross-sharing of strategic initiatives than ever before. And this means the CEO, and the CEO already is having a lot of conversations with their team, but this is where the CIO and the CTO and the CEO are sitting down and going, okay, CIO, tell me exactly. And the CEO asks the questions in their vernacular. Here's what I need to know that this technology can do. Uh, a company I worked with recently in Florida, Miami, they are introducing a new ERP system. They have a very progressive CTO. And what he does a really good job of is creating the pictures for the CEO so that the CEO can see exactly pictures, data analytics, graphics that show this is going to be the results. Here's how we can measure it. Here's how we can prove the success in real time. Here's how we can course correct if it's not going the way we think it should. Those are the concerns that CEOs have about investing in technology. So do you have some examples of an organization that, you know, they are of organizations that represent this future of work, and they're they're there now. As you started this podcast, right? They're they're mm-hmm. the innovators. Mm-hmm. They're the leaders of what the future is going to look like, and they've actually made it happen. So, you know, what mm-hmm. are some examples? Well, some some ones that are used commonly and and are you know mentioned by a lot of consultants are, are kind of the obvious ones. Zappos. I refer to Zappos a lot. I talk about Zappos in my book, The Art of Change Leadership. Uh, Zappos, you know, they practice holacracy, which is a shared leadership model. They actually do not have job titles for most of their their workers. They don't have the traditional job titles. Uh, in fact, I believe Tony Say, the CEO's uh, title is Chief Happiness Officer. 
<laughs> because their whole thing is we deliver happiness. It's in alignment with the brand. Uh, Zappos does a brilliant job of, of course, they're an online business, so the technology piece they've really mastered, but the people piece is what they've also mastered. So the integrated approach of people uh, is their primary, people and customer, people being employee and customer, happiness is their primary objective, and the technology drives them to deliver on their happiness promise to both their customers and their employees. So Zappos is one that comes to mind. Another one is Whole Foods. Uh, we will all know that Whole Foods has recently been acquired by Amazon. But John Mackey, the CEO, um, has done a brilliant job of Whole Foods being people-focused, again, uh, delivering to community, aligning community uh, deliverables with the people element. And then for the technology side, um, that's why I believe Whole Foods was attractive to Amazon, is that Amazon could fulfill the technology piece of fulfillment of online uh, ordering and delivery for customers who want the Whole Foods products brought to their doors in a bigger way than what Whole Foods was able to do. And then, you know, from a a senior leadership standpoint, you know, whether you're an Oracle or a Salesforce, um, you know, CEO-oriented person, uh, Oracle with the co-CEO model, Safra Katz, uh, the female co-CEO, and then uh, I can't remember his name, is Mark, can't remember his last name. They share that CEO position, which is a great example of future of work shared leadership. I mean, having two CEOs share a position is unheard of, and, and they have really modeled that, and they have been doing that for the last uh, three to five years. So those are three top-of-mind big-name names. Um, the clients that I work with, the model that I work with them is to to guide them towards shared leadership model where people is the focus and technology is the enabler to drive strategy. What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. People always go like, how does that even work in, in practicality? And I just worked with a client in Denver two days, two days of working with the CEO and his team on helping them. The first part is mindset. You know, we, business has been built in the last three decades on hierarchy and one person's in charge and decision comes from the top and, and that, that um, has been the norm. And it's not going to happen overnight, by the way, to go to shared leadership. Holacracy is sort of the extreme, you know, I would say the extreme left of the current hierarchical model. And I would say shared leadership is in the middle if we were to put it on a scale or a range. Um, it, it really starts with mindset getting into buy-in from the entire leadership team that, you know, millennial workers, uh, which I've talked a lot about generations. As you know, Nancy, I have a book on that as well, 101 Ways to Make Generations X, Y, and Zoomers Happy at Work. Millennials are driving the shared leadership model. If you look at companies like Facebook and Google um, and, uh, you know, uh, Netflix, they all have predominantly millennial employee base. And they just don't respond well to the hierarchy. They respond much better to group leadership, project-based work. Um, and so how it's going to look in the future is you're going to have very open-minded leaders. CEOs are going to go, you know, yes, we need to have, um, there, by the way, even in holacracy, by the way, there is still a hierarchy, but it's led in a different way than traditional management or leadership. It's, it's rather than top-down, it's circles of groups of people with varying strengths and skills brought together for project-based work. So, the, you know, if, if right now if one of your CEOs listening is, is a CEO of a major accounting firm or a highly structured firm, getting to shared leadership is going to take longer and going to look very different than perhaps a CEO of a 
um, you know, a restaurant, for example, or a CEO of, of an organization where there already are a dominant number of millennial workers driving this desire towards shared leadership. Um, I don't have time in this call to tell you the details of how that works strategically, but I have clients that are committed to shared leadership. And the premise of shared leadership is that regardless of title, everyone has value, input, um, has um, ideas to share on strategy, who bring uh, customer ideas, customer innovation ideas, corporate innovation ideas, not by a suggestion box, but as a part of a dynamic culture that encourages everyone to have a voice towards the growth of the organization. Well, and it's counterintuitive because in an exponential change world, all CEOs want to figure out, well, how do we speed things up? How do we get some shortcuts uh-huh. here? Because we've yeah. got to lead the pace of change in our industries. We've got to innovate. But how do you do that? And uh, what I hear you saying is in a hierarchy, you can't keep doing it that way because that's going to slow things down. And it's counterintuitive right. to think of this idea that you're presenting, which is shared leadership, mm-hmm. where you're having all these voices. But the reality is, if you have all these voices, it sounds like that's going to speed things up because then people are going to buy in and, and you're not going to have a whole bunch of people confused about why we're doing what we're doing. Well, think of crowdsourcing now. It's happening now. It's basically a, 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 micro, a, a micro version of the macro crowdsourcing that's happening with the Twitters and the Facebooks now. You Innovation's happening at the speed of change now because you're getting 100 voices on a particular item or um, input. That's what's needing to happen in the workplace, and that's what millennials are used to. They're used to crowdsourcing. So when they come to a workplace and they're told, well, no, that's not going to work here, or that did, we tried that in the past, it's not going to work, the, right away a millennial goes, well, I'm not working in a collaborative environment where my voice is valid. I'm, I'm working in an environment where they just want me to do what I'm being told to do. And that's why you have, um, you know, a lot of employees. And this, this is filtering into all the generations. It's not just about the millennials where people are looking for dynamic workplaces where they can have a voice, where they can contribute their wisdom and their skills, and where they can be part of the success. And, you know, you're right, it is counterintuitive, and that's why it's a future of work um, directive. It has to be different in order to get to where we're going. It, it cannot be. The hierarchical model is it slows down progress. Uh, moving towards collaboration speeds up progress. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes that CEOs are making today that you see, because you work with a lot of CEOs all across different industries around the world, what are some of the mistakes that they're making, you see them making today, uh, that they're not getting ready to step into the future world of work? You know, I, I always hesitate to use the word mistakes because I think most CEOs are dynamically, they have the desire to be better, do better, get better. I really believe that in my experience. I think the opportunities for CEOs is to really challenge themselves on whether they are open to the future realities of work. So number one, are they surrounding themselves with people that are challenging uh, the status quo. You know, and when I say people, it's not just within the organization. Are they doing things like the McKay CEO forums? Are they surrounding themselves with voices that are going to push and challenge their status quo? Uh, I think the, you know, a big opportunity is to not put yourself in a CEO bubble. Uh, the second thing I would say is the opportunity to really, really listen to the people around you in the organization. You know, a lot of CEOs will, will, will say that they want, that they're open to hear, but then they still have their own uh, mandate or their own sort of directive that they want to, or, or agenda that they want to put into place or the, or the mark that they want to leave on the organization. I think that's a very narrow vision for where we're going with the future of work. I think the future of work CEO needs to be really open to 
diverse opinions, open to hearing things they don't want to hear to stimulate that innovation, uh, open to hearing voices that they ne- wouldn't necessarily listen to before from the bottom up. Um, and the third thing I would say with CEOs is, you know, are you too insulated from the client to know really what's needed in the marketplace? Uh, have you relied on, you know, the people in your organization to really hear that voice of a client? Have you gone out and experienced your business as a client of your business? And if you, you know, are that client, are you looking at it through the lens of what you have become accustomed to, it, what, what, your, what your company delivers? Or are you really willing to put yourself in a place of curiosity to say, how could we do this better? How could we, you know, be the next Apple? How could we be the next, you know, innovator? And then fourthly, I would say as a CEO, are you seeking to only transform your company? Or is your transformation goal bigger than that? Are you seeking to transform your industry? Or are you seeking to, you know, on a bigger, bigger level, are we seeking to transform the world, which I know sounds like a big, audacious leap. But I really believe CEOs are in their positions because they want to make a difference. And if that's truly what, what we're here to do as CEOs is to make a difference, then we've got to be open to challenging ourselves on a way bigger level than we have been. Absolutely. Well, I know we're just about running out of time here on the podcast. Really great insights and tips for all of our listeners. Uh, Cheryl, what's the best way for our listeners to reach out to you if they want to learn more about the work that you do, um, get some of your books, what have you? Uh, please let us know and, uh, and then we'll do a wrap. Yeah. So just my website, CherylCran.com, and the books are found on Amazon and all the, all the bestseller uh, sites of books. Just uh, search my name and, and you'll find those books there. Um, I, thank you so much for the opportunity, Nancy, to share on your podcast. Thank you so much, Cheryl. And for our listeners who would like to be on the Exponential Change Journey with Macasio Forms, we have our one-day EDGE Summit in Vancouver on October 3rd with 450 CEOs and executives and board members attending on a full-day immersion of the future of work and how to become exponential leaders. And you can learn all about that at mckayceoforums.com. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Thanks. Thanks, Nancy. Take care.